is ready when you are. Good evening and welcome to the September 7th, 2021 special meeting of the City of Sacramento Utilities Rate and Advisory Commission or URAC. I'm P. Anthony Thomas, Chair of the Commission. Uh, the meeting is now officially called to order. Uh, Madam Clerk, would you please call the roll to establish a quorum, please? Yes, thank you, Chair. Commissioner Baring? Here. Commissioner Fidel? Here. Commissioner Gutowski is absent. Oh. Commissioner Gutowski is, start, is uh, joining us now. Commissioner Lee is absent. Vice Chair Vanderwolf. Present. And Chair Thomas. Present. We have a quorum, thank you. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, this meeting is a virtual Zoom meeting uh, for members of the public who wish to join please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish to speak, uh, raise your hand, um, provide it to provide public comment. And when the chair confirms uh, the public comment speaking period um, for your desired item um, is up and running. Um, you're online, click on the raise hand on the bottom of your screen uh, to be heard this evening. If you have a mobile app, in the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise hand option in the mobile app tab. Uh, if you're calling calling uh, by telephone, uh, if you, to raise your hand, uh, just simply dial nine uh, and then uh, or mute dial uh, with uh, star five or excuse me, star six, and then you, you will be called on by the last four digits of your telephone number. You'll have two minutes, and we want to stress that you'll have two minutes to speak once you are called on. Uh, commission will now hear um, the consent calendar. Item one on the consent calendar is the approved minutes for 28 July, 2021. Madam Clerk, um, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this particular item? Thank you, Chair Thomas. I have no speakers with their hands raised to make public comment on this item. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this particular item? Seeing or hearing none, is there a motion? And a second for the item. So moved. Second. Ah, Commissioner Bearing, the brave one. <laughs> with the motion and my buddy, Commissioner Fidel with the second. I have a motion and a second. Will the clerk please call the roll? Thank you, Chair Thomas. Commissioner Bearing? Yes. Commissioner Fidel? Yes. Commissioner Gutowski? Aye. Commissioner Lee is absent. Vice Chair Vanderwolf? Yes. And Chair Thomas? Yes. Thank you, motion passes. Outstanding. 
we will now proceed to uh, the discussion calendar. Uh, discussion item number two is the Department of Utilities Storm Drainage and Rate Workshop number one. Uh, is there a staff presentation? Yes. All right, Mr. Director, please proceed. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, uh, Chair Thomas and Commissioners. Uh, this, I'm Bill Busaith, Director of the Department of Utilities, and we are going to present uh, our, our rate workshop number one. Um, this is a follow-up of the presentation that we made last time on the survey results. Uh, and I'll remind us a little bit about that. Uh, and then we're gonna go into some more details about the, about the measure. Um, we're calling this the water pollution and flood prevention measure. Um, I will be talking about that. I will be talking about specific projects that are proposed to be funded from the revenue that would be generated uh, should that measure uh, be passed. Uh, talking about the positive uh, economic impacts in the region. Uh, we'll also be, I'll also be presenting some proposed changes or recommended changes that we are working on or the recommendations that we hope to make to this body and to city council uh, to make that uh, rate adjustment program more sustainable. Um, and then finishing up with a discussion about the, the schedule for the prevention measure, uh, and then um, reporting back on, an, on a, a question or an item that was brought up at the last URAC meeting. And then of course, uh, always open for, uh, for questions and discussion. Um, by way of background, before I launch into the, you know, actual presentation on the, on the projects that uh, would be funded from revenues, uh, should you know, should the measure pass? Um, in the past, we've uh, informed the commission uh, about the current status of the uh, drainage fund. Um, we had an audit that was done in 2020. The findings were not unexpected uh, that given the current state of the fund and the rate of expenditures, uh, we would expect um, for the fund to start going negative or the, balance, the fund balance to start going negative in about the fiscal year 2026 I would say that's plus or minus, you know, a year or two, depending on unexpected expenditures or, um, you know, expenditures being less than, uh, than expected. Um, we have our drainage system valued at over $8 billion and that we are not investing in the capital improvements uh, in the system appropriately. Um, if we were to have a best practice program, we would need to be spending about $35 million uh, a year on the, you know, on the program. Uh, and we have a backlog that, you know, based on our current 
level of master planning that we have done, uh, we have a current backlog of about $300 million in capital projects uh, that, that we're aware of and that would need to be done. Um, the other thing that I just wanna remind us of before I move forward is, is that at the last uh, URAC meeting, we had a presentation on some survey results uh, back in the April timeframe. We did a survey of our customers to gauge support for this measure. Um, and the support was there. Um, some would call it soft support, but it was support nonetheless. And so in um, consultation with the city manager's office, we have decided that this is something that we can't put off any longer um, and that we need to move forward with. Um, I will talk a little bit about the schedule towards the end of this presentation. And included in that presentation, I will talk about off-ramps, uh, you know, the milestones and off-ramps to uh, uh, move to decide at, at, at certain points in the process that maybe we don't have the support and that it would not be prudent to move forward. But right now we, uh, we are moving forward. And again, I'll go over that schedule um, towards the end of my presentation. Um, are, there any, uh, are there any questions on the background uh, information that you know, we have presented to you before I, uh, before I launch uh, into the, the, the workshop information? Commissioners? I don't see any hands. Okay, Please next proceed. slide. Next slide. So with the measure, we are proposing to, uh, we are proposing a fee, an additional fee uh, on top of the existing storm drain fee of approximately $6 a month. Uh, that will be less or more depending on you know, the size of a person's parcel uh, or whether they're residential or commercial, but our average residential customer uh, would be paying about $6 more a month. Currently they're paying about $11 a month for their um, storm drainage fee. This would generate 15 to $20 million annually, probably more closer to 20 million than 15 million. The fee, the additional fee would be spread across all customer classes, industrial, commercial, residential. Um, and, a, and it's based on the area or an assumed area of impervious surface uh, uh, or, or uh, uh, you know, based on customer type. Overall, in general, the funding would be used to improve the re rehabilitate and improve the drainage system, uh, which has the impact of protecting, you know, our source water quality, uh, including rivers and creeks. Uh, <clears throat> includes 
replacing aging pumps and aging pipelines that uh, will prevent flooding. Next slide. We would we were proposing initially the approximate expenditures in the following categories of rehab and, re and replacement, regulatory programs, uh, planning and asset management, operations and maintenance support, and then improvement uh, uh, system improvement program. Go ahead, next slide, please. Under the rehabilitation and replacement, again, we would, this would be on an average year, you know, say in the first five to 10 years, we would anticipate spending about seven and a half million dollars on rehab and replacement. This includes replacement of failed corrugated metal pipes. Right now we have a significant number of those pipes that are literally uh, corroded and, and gone in a lot of instances and completely failed. Um, work on pump stations, especially the electrical portions of our pump stations, which have about a 25 year uh, expected life. And we are well behind in our, our need to upgrade the, and, and rehabilitate the, the electrical systems on our pump stations. Um, we have work that needs to be done in ditches and channels and, and detention basins. Um, we have uh, rehab work that needs to be done in the combined system. Right now, as, as I've mentioned in the past, all of the improvements and all of the work, capital improvement work that is being done in the combined system is being funded by the wastewater uh, rate fee and fund because there isn't sufficient money in the drainage fund to participate in the funding of combined system improvements. But historically, um, the drainage fund has participated significantly uh, in combined system improvements and um, with the revenues that we would receive from this measure, uh, we would return to that practice of having the drainage fund participate uh, on a 50-50 basis for the improvements in the uh, combined sewer system, which will great, greatly relieve the burden, uh, you know, the current burden on the wastewater uh, fund. Again, we have a lot of electrical rehab and also IT and SCADA upgrades. SCADA is our system that allows us to operate our sumps and our facilities remotely and receive information from those facilities and also operate them remotely. Next slide. <clears throat> There's a lot of, uh, we would propose to spend about $6 million a year on regulatory compliance. This includes ADA improvements. Uh, it includes air quality. We have a significant uh, regulatory burden with regard to the, to the um, air quality related to our generators and our diesel powered uh, pumps. Uh, those need to be, uh, those need to stay in compliance with air quality regulations. Um, and we are, we're behind on that. Um, because it's very expensive. 
Uh, as I mentioned, the long-term control plan for the combined system, those improvements um, need to be funded partially by the, uh, the drainage fund. Trash capture is a new requirement in our drainage system that's gonna require us to install a lot of facilities to, to capture trash so that it doesn't get into the creeks and rivers. We anticipate that costing up to a million dollars a year. Um, right now we're spending, that's a new program. We're not spending any money on that right now. Um, we have um, water, uh, we have improvements to, to make and, and rehabilitation to some of our facilities that will improve water quality. An example of that is our uh, pocket canal system that uh, needs dredging and needs other water, you know, improvements to uh, to improve the water quality of that uh, of, of those canals. And then, of course, floodplain management. Um, an example of that is right now we're spending a significant amount of money, or need to spend an a significant amount of money in the in the Natomas Basin to verify that the internal levees uh, have the appropriate level of flood protection and that they're sound and will provide that level of flood, flood protection. And there's a significant amount of work that goes into that and those types of um, activities, including <clears throat> our responsibilities as, as the floodplain managers uh, for the city of Sacramento. Next slide. Um, there's a lot of planning and asset management work that needs to be done, including a lot of uh, condition assessment, data collection, um, including a lot of modeling. Um, as, as we all know, our weather systems and patterns continue to change as we uh, start to anticipate, as we start to see the impacts and anticipate further impacts of, of climate change we're going to be needing to adjust our, our hydraulic models that tells us you know, what a 100-year storm is and, and what we need to do to have a system to protect us from a 100-year storm event. Um, we have to date master planned only about 40% of our drainage basins. These master plans are what tells us that you know, the, the current condition of the basin and what kind of improvements we need to make in the in a in a given basin to provide the hundred year uh, level ten and hundred year levels of protection, which are our levels of service in the city of Sacramento, um, and then of course long term planning. <clears throat> this is all work that's been on the back burner for some time because we just haven't had uh, the funding um, for it. Next slide. We have a lot of capital type work that supports our operations and maintenance, including a, you know, a fund that needs to be, money that needs to be set aside for un, unplanned corrective maintenance, um, drainage, uh, inlet and manhole rehab and replacement, uh, canal dredging, as I mentioned earlier, and then just some money that needs to be set aside for maintenance activities that aren't being done uh, as, uh, as fully as they need to be done. Um, they're not being done right now, including a lot of the inspection and cleaning, our tree inventory and maintenance, and 
we continue to need to spend more and more money on our on our homeless encampment cleanup and and uh, uh, and, and mitigation. Next slide. And then system improvements, uh, many, many of these, but uh, you know, uh, it, they include just our overall facility improvements, um, improvements to our, our drainage basins, um, fixed load bank. This is an example of, you know, uh, we need to go in and be able to uh, test the electrical equipment under load. And in order to do that most effectively, uh, we need to install these load banks at the facilities um, and also have a um, portable load banks that we can take out to the facilities uh, so that we can uh, ascertain the condition of the, of the electrical systems. Lots of security and emergency uh, preparedness um, initiatives that need to be funded and then um, as I mentioned, on a lot of our um, generators do not meet air quality. A lot of them are nearing the um, their expected life, uh, their life expectancy, and need to be replaced. Uh, our generators are one of the critical components of our drainage system. Um, some of the worst flooding that we have experienced historically is when power is cut to uh, a uh, a drainage pump station, and hence the station can't operate, can't pump the water, and so the water backs up in the, you know, in the basin, and flooding occurs. Um, and so maintaining our generators and making sure that they're reliable and up to date is one of our one of the most important things that we do. Next slide. Given. This estimate of 15 to $20 million a year um, of capital expenditure, um, we anticipate that this would uh, uh, result in about $115 million in economic output in the city and uh, about, 700, about 750 uh, jobs would be created um, over, over a 10 year period or about 75 per year. And so obviously some significant benefits to the economy as we do these capital improvements and spend money in the, uh, in, you know, within, within, in the city. Um, just as a side, a lot of these, as, as you know, we, we have um, a lot of requirements for our, uh, especially our larger capital improvement projects that require a certain number of the you know hours worked on the job be from local uh, employees especially and and local employees from some of our disadvantaged communities we've had a lot of success with uh, job creation and generation uh, in these areas from from our big projects in the in the city of Sacramento next slide <clears throat> With regard to the rate assistance program, we are in the process of preparing a recommendation to city council. Uh, we've talked about this with the water, uh, uh, the water committee and probably will again, uh, but 
our proposal is to change the for, the structure of the program. Currently, the structure is that a customer would not see, you know, the the latest or most or most current rate adjustment, and that their their rates would stay uh, at the at the existing level. In order to make the the program more sustainable and also more predictable in, as far as from a budgeting standpoint, we're proposing to change the structure of the discount to a flat 25% uh, discount. Currently the, the funds that are, in, or that are included in, the, in that program are water, wastewater and solid waste. Um, currently the average discount is, uh, is a a little over 35%. Um, we are bumping up against our current budget for the program. And in order to be able to serve more customers uh, with the current budget, uh, we're proposing this 25% discount. Though it is a, <clears throat> a little less than what we're currently providing, it is um, equal to or more than any other program that we're aware of <clears throat> in the state, um, including the SMUD and PG&E programs and the other um, uh, you know, programs that provide uh, customer assistance for, or assistance for the low income. We also received a request from uh, city council to investigate the possibility of including a rent, an, an assistance program for renters. Um, as part of this SURA program, we did some investigation and determined that a program like that would add at least $2 million a year to, to this program. And there currently is not budget for that. Um, we would recommend that we not move in that direction. And that is the recommendation that we uh, will be making to council. Um, We'll be taking these recommendations to council in the fall. Um, just for information at the current budget, at the current, at the, with that proposal, um, should we be directed to include drainage in the rate assistance program? And um, should we be directed and, and if the, um, uh, Recycling solid waste rate adjustments that are being considered uh, pass. Um, we estimate that uh, at the 25% level, um, our, the current budget of the program could accommodate those additions, meaning the the drainage, uh, adi the addition of the drainage fund, and also the. Um, uh, recycling solid waste uh, rate adjustment, the, the current budget could uh, handle the program through the end of fiscal year 23. Uh, and then there, there would be budget adjustments necessary. If we move forward under the current um, structure, uh, we even without drainage and uh, uh, um, solid wasting in, uh, increases, 
we would need uh, budget uh, increases in FY22. Um, next slide. Now with regard to schedule, this is how we propose to move forward with this measure with the uh, storm drainage rate measure. Um, we're currently uh, at our first um, workshop, uh, September 7th, our first URAC workshop. On September 20th, we plan on another round of surveys uh, with our, our, our customers. The last survey uh, only surveyed residential customers. This survey will, will survey residential and non-residential customers. It will uh, uh, be focused on determining whether there is overall support for this measure. Um, uh, it will take, uh, we will have results from that survey probably in late October. And that would be one of the first off ramps. Uh, should that survey show that our, our support has eroded uh, for the measure and we, and, and hence that we wouldn't have confidence that we could be successful with a ballot initiative, um, we will consider um, delaying the process uh, and, and relooking at the schedule. Um, September 22nd, another rate workshop, and we're, we're planning right now the content of that. We'll be presenting more details on what the, uh, the proposal uh, looks like in, a, in more detail than what I've presented um, as far as what, what the increase would be. Um, we propose to do, we're, we're doing a lot of customer outreach now and we'll propose to continue that through the end of the year and even into the first of, of next year. Um, another uh, URAC meeting uh, in October. Um, in late October, we also would propose to do our protest mailer. Um, as was explained at the last workshop, um, that is part of the, of the 218 process. Um, normally that's, that's the only type of mailer that we need to do before council approves a, a rate adjustment. In this particular case, we need to do the protest mailer and then do the ballot initiative uh, also to have the, uh, the customers vote on whether or not they, they approve a rate adjustment. Um, we have another rate hearing scheduled. Uh, we have the, the rate hearing scheduled in December. Uh, that would be the final URAC uh, meeting where uh, URAC, the, this, this body would make its uh, determine its recommendation to city council. Next slide. And then in early January, uh, we would go to city council for approval to move forward with the ballot election or to authorize that ballot election. Um, late, late January, mid to late January, we would be mailing out ballots to our customers. Um, that 
there's a, you know, from the, from the time that those are mailed out to the time that they need to be returned is 45 days. And so after 45 days, we would be uh, compiling the election results. Uh, and then depending on the outcome of the election, we would be going back to city council if, you know, if the uh, ballot was successful, we'd go back to city council in April to have them actually adopt the rate and the rate would become um, effective uh, on July 1st. Um, next. Um, there was a question asked at the last URAC meeting about uh, a process um, that customers could dispute the fee that they're paying, given the fact that uh, the new fee will be based on uh, in, uh, uh, assumed impervious area of the different customer classes. Um, would there be a, an avenue uh, for the customers to dispute and say, you know, my particular parcel has a much lower uh, percentage of, of impervious area than what you're charging me for. That program all, already exists there uh, in, the, in, uh, in the department for storm drainage. Uh, people can currently uh, contest the fee that they're paying. Um, our, our current residential customers are not charged uh, by impervious area, uh, but by room count, but our non-residential customers are currently charged by their area. And should they want to contest that, they currently are able to, to do that. And this is a, a program that would continue and probably be enhanced uh, uh, as we move forward with this new measure um, so that if a homo, if a residential or non-residential customer uh, feels that they're being charged inappropriately, they can uh, 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 apply for you know, a waiver and have that investigated um, <clears throat> and possibly adjusted. Um, I think that's all of my presentation. And now I'm more than happy to answer any questions that anybody has. Um, I or staff, you know, uh, staff is here uh, along with legal staff to answer any questions that you might have. Thank you, Bill. Uh, Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair Thomas. I have no speakers. Oh, I have no speakers with their hands raised to make public comment on this item. Are there any commissioners who want to speak on this item? I see hands going up. Madam Vice Chair, floor is yours. Thank you. Um, I, I had a couple of questions, if that's okay. Um, my first one was, is I, I know you all mentioned that you have a higher cost due to our unhoused neighbor population affecting uh, different parts of the storm drainage and other parts. Um, do you guys actually track that in any way or is it more of just of an estimate, estimated added cost? 
No, we tackle it very, very carefully. Um, and it's gone, you know, over the last several years, it's gone from, you know, maybe a $50,000, you know, amount to, um, I mean, I have to get you exact numbers and we can get that for you. But uh, in this fiscal year, we might spend three to $400,000 uh, on that, you know, on that activity. I think it'd be good just to have an idea of what that is. Okay, um, we, can get, we can get that back to you. Thank you. Um, and then my second question was specifically about the uh, levy maintenance and the levies that we maintain in Natomas. How exactly is the fees for that split up throughout the city? Like, how does that work? So, first of all, our, our requirement for maintaining levies goes throughout the city. That The, the Natomas was just an example. Um, there are creeks in the south area and in the north area, uh, Union, you know, Union House Creek, Morrison Creek, Florin Creek, Arcade Creek, Robla Creek. Uh, those are all <clears throat> internal levees that we maintain. Um, and then there are also the internal drainage levees in the Totomas Basins uh, that we maintain. Our, our um, responsibility for those in the Thomas basins is a little bit elevated from a lot of the other uh, uh, levies, um, but on the whole, uh, that <clears throat> that responsibility is is throughout the throughout the city. Okay, so there there is a large. There's a lot of, obviously a bunch of different levies. Is there any way for us to get like a map that shows us where they all are just so we have a better understanding? Um, since sure. it sounds like there's a lot of them, that would be really great. I think that would Absolutely. help with an understanding. Absolutely. Uh, we you. can include that in our present. We'll, we'll make sure we include that in our presentation uh, in two weeks. That would be great. Thank you so much. Okay. Mr. Baring. Hi, thank you. Um, so question on how, I guess currently how the storm drainage rate is calculated on the commercial um, industrial side. Um, so when you're talking about impervious surfaces, I, I mean, I'm kind of interpreting that to essentially be, you know, how much land is, you know, covered by concrete or by a building. Um, and it's kind of a function of, I guess, the lot size. So I guess, hypothetically, if you had one building, you know, two buildings that are on the same size lot, same, you know, footprint, one's four stories, the other is 40 stories, would they, would they, basically be paying the same fee? And is that, and I guess the second part of the question will be, is that consistent with what other jurisdictions are doing? So um, a, currently our non-residential customers for all but a few classes are charged on the gross square foot area of their, of their parcel uh, with the assumption that most of a, you know, of a commercial or industrial site is, you know, is impervious. There are some exceptions to that. Uh, specifically, if there are classes of non-residential uh, customers that are largely in, uh, uh, pervious, meaning that they're, you know, like a, a park or a, a vacant parcel, um, those are charged, uh, you know, a percentage of the of the gross square foot area, a, a small percentage. Um, but currently, our our commercial customers are charged um, about 
cents uh, per square foot per month. We the new the the proposed fee uh, would be based on uh, an assumed impervious square footage uh, for the different uh, you know for the different customer classes, uh, non-residential customer classes, and those vary uh, you know based on based on the customer class. Okay. So I guess in my example, I mean, is it the square footage of the lot or is it the square footage of the usable space in the building? No, it ha it's again, this is all about runoff. So you could have a hundred story building on a, on a parcel and a one story building on a parcel. If the square footage of the footprint is the same, then the runoff, you know, from that, you know, from that parcel is going to be the same. Gotcha. Gotcha. And is that how other jurisdictions are doing it? Yeah, that's pretty standard procedure. Okay. Um, thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Gukowski, please. Thank you. So thank you, Bill, for all these great numbers um, on the cost of things. Um, having not a drainage rate increase for over 25 years is amazing that you're still your head above water. And um, I just want to thank you for sharing those numbers. Okay, I agree. <laughs> I mean, it speaks to, and I, you know, we get the question, question, are we being as efficient as we can? And the fact that we've been able to maintain the system and do as well as we have been able to do over that period of time, I think speaks to the fact that we, we are being, you know, very efficient and, you know, and prudent and good stewards of these, you know, of the funds that we've been given. Any more questions, commissioners? Bill, you did mention um, homeless encampment cleanup. Do we have a figure on what that's going to cost us per year? Yeah, that was already asked by one of the commissioners. And, and uh, I said that right now that's gone from a, a smaller number to, you know, between three and four hundred thousand dollars a year. And, and we, anticipate yeah, you're right. it, we anticipate it will continue to increase until we you know, in the city, get a handle on the, you know, on the homeless issue. Yes, um, but we'll come back with some, some better numbers than, than what I've given you here. I guess the second part was what I wanted to ask was, let's just say that by some miraculous deed that we address our homeless issue, where would those dollars go? They would go straight into, straight into capital improvement. Got it. You know? Okay. Uh, you know, ex excess revenue that we have, as I've mentioned, we have an almost unlimited need for capital improvement and any extra money like that, that, you know, that we, that we find, uh, or any efficiency will go, will go to capital improvement. It's interesting. I just want to close out with this and maybe you can answer this for me. Um, could you mention that the, that in maintenance, that will in fact come with the increase, but it hasn't currently been done. Can you expand on that for me, please? Well, if we, could we go back to that slide, Tyler? Sure, please.
go uh, keep going right uh, right there no back one so those last three bullets um, we try to keep up on the on the system inspection and cleaning but we're not you know we're not close to where we need to be um, in you know in that aspect of maintaining you know our system um, you know the tree inventory is is something that's relatively new. This is something that used to be kind of taken care of for us, uh, probably inappropriately, you know, by the city. You know, this is something that we should be managing ourselves and paying for ourselves. And it's something that we're currently not managing very well is, you know, having an inventory of our trees and main maintaining them appropriately. These are the trees that are on, you know, DOU property. Um, there is a lot of condition assessment, you know, that is not being done. Um, uh, you know, going up further in the top two bullets, you know, these are a little bit more capital related, but we have a lot of drain inlets that, you know, are past their useful life and need to be, should be replaced. Same with manholes. Uh, that's work that's just not, it's just not getting done, you know, right now. Uh, not anywhere near to the level that it, you know, that it needs to be done. It's mostly reactive. Uh, instead of, uh, you know, instead of uh, planned, you know, and scheduled as it as it should be. Did that answer your question? It did. Thank you okay. so much. All right. Thank you. Any other questions, commissioners? Okay. Members. Well, thank you very much for your attention. Uh, appreciate it. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks with some more information on this. Thank you, Bill. Um, members, this is a uh, non-required issue, basically, to receive and file. So we're going to move on to our next item. And the next item is discussion item number three, Department of Public Works workshop on proposed rate adjustment for recycling and solid waste services. There is a presenter. John, are you ready? Uh, I'm ready. Uh, good evening. Let, let it rip. <laughs> good evening, Chair P. Anthony and members of the commission. Uh, give me a moment. Let me see if I can share my screen. And um, this is a PowerPoint, but I uh, we use nevertheless glitchy uh, problems doing it from a PDF format. Uh, not as much memory. So uh, hopefully you can see the garbage truck on the screen at this point. Everybody, yeah, I get some head nods. Okay, good. Um, so some of the things uh, I've done in my preparation for this as the interim integrated waste general manager, as you know, Jerome Council, our general manager left for a new opportunity a couple months ago, is watch all your previous uh, meetings. And this item has been in front of you, obviously, a number of times. So I'm hoping this presentation is um, highlights the previous information at the same level and brings the new information forward. Uh, but we're happy to answer questions at the end. We have uh, fiscal staff plus myself and even programmatic questions perhaps about the, the food waste recycling. Um, but let's get into the presentation. Uh, I've got 19 slides. The first one we thought to share was a visual representation of our fund balance and where it goes without a rate adjustment over the next five years. And that green line is our 90 day. It's our targeted operating reserves for the amount of money we need to keep set aside so we can operate in the event of some type of an emergency, for example, like a 
natural disaster or now we're seeing pandemics or whatever, things like that. Uh, as you can see, we fall below that in the next fiscal year and then gradually continue to erode that reserve to the point where in 2025, the overall fund balance becomes negative. So we wanna get back up above so we can fund our operations and additionally build back up to a 90 day reserve. So we have that safety net that residents need for uh, what we're seeing obviously through the pandemic is an essential service that everyone relies upon. So here's our uh, fund balance in the green waste fund. Within our uh, enterprise fund, we have individual funds for the commodities and the green waste or yard waste organics fund is the one that's particularly getting hit hard. And I'll cover that in the presentation in terms of the um, organics and the rollout of the new regulations, the new programs and the actual cost. So that is the largest driver of the rate increases, the new uh, state mandated organic collection program. And this shows the, the yard waste organics fund balance going down at a very uh, quick rate with the new processing fees and everything that I'll show you in this presentation. So this is some of the, just a highlight of the challenges. I'll dive into further detail on some, but again, increased yard waste and organics processing costs, potential increase in recyclables processing, which is our, uh, our, our uh, recyc curbside recyclable materials and similar issues that were going on when I presented to your commission, uh, commission in 2019 on uh, markets and things like that. Maintaining appropriate staffing levels uh, while accommodating the growth of the city uh, is an issue and they, and it relates to the COVID impacts and we're having the same issues with getting our, uh, our, our mint uh, suppliers and, and maintaining staff. Um, part of this, balance, this uh, um, rate adjustment addresses some of those issues that I'll get into later in terms of what COVID has done to our residential uh, garbage and recycling numbers. But first, we'll talk a little bit about the largest driver, which is the green waste and organic mandate. Senate Bill 1383, Passed a few years ago, all the implementation dates are in this slide and they're coming up next year. We've been hard at work uh, planning and implementing contracts for uh, the processing of all this material uh, under the new state mandated program. What it requires is that household can no, households and businesses can no longer dispose of organic food waste as garbage effective January 1 of next year. The city has to divert its, divert its organics which includes green waste, we already do that, and food waste from landfills. We bear the entire cost of implementation and the ongoing compliance and reporting. Um, the grants that are out there are very limited and they're mostly targeted towards the private sector with uh, developing processing, which we're already at the stage where we're implementing it. We plan to implement citywide food waste collection in July of 2022 next year. So this is a, uh, an idea, uh, a graphic uh, representation of uh, our processing costs and where they went. You can see on the far left, in fiscal year 2020, 2021, we were at $42.44 on our greenways processing only. Um, we issued a re request for proposals and did a joint project with the County of Sacramento and the City of Folsom uh, so as to not compete for the same limited market of uh, marketed of material, combine our tonnage to generate the private sector to uh, implement the facilities and implement the program uh, in a cost-effective manner. And that's very typical of what a lot of jurisdictions do because uh, the private sector can develop facilities faster, but the jurisdictions typically have tonnage. So we commit the tonnage and that stimulates the development. 
Nonetheless, even with a, a competitive procurement process and eight proposals received, our processing fees went from $42 to $70 last year, and they're slated to go up along the lines of the five different agreements we have, and the different prices range from $73 to $104 a ton. It, it goes up even more once we add the food waste into the green waste. That's the big driver of the cost, it's a new level of permitting for those facilities to recycle the wet and liquid material and food waste. So uh, again, higher processing fees uh, for processing the combined stream. Our organic tonnage is also expected to increase from about 70,000 tons to 85,000 tons uh, in about the three to four year time frame around 25, 26 after full implementation and increased education. That said, the processing expenses are uh, increasing by an estimated 3.6 million from last year to this fiscal year, and then an additional 1.6 million next year upon organics implementation full range, which is includes the food waste. So you see the graph on the bottom shows our, our estimated organic processing cost by fiscal year in millions of dollars. And you can see it goes from 3.3 to 9.18. So it's almost $6 million in increased. That's just the processing cost to recycle the material. We still have to implement new routes, uh, larger routes with more material, collect the material, uh, have lots of challenges in terms of specific generators that require special types of service to get in there. So this is just the processing and that's a $6 million, almost $6 million increase for a, a relatively small enterprise fund, as you know, is a $70 million enterprise fund. Some of the additional things that have happened since we've last met with you is the, um, the stay at home order and the significant increase in residential disposal tons and associated costs from the pandemic. Um, we saw in the calendar year 2020, an almost 11% increase in our garbage tonnage, a 16% almost increase in household junk, 6.4 curbside recycling, uh, dump coupon usage went way up. Everybody was cleaning their, you know, their garage out when they were at home all the time. And then when the pandemic went further, they cleaned up their attics and they kept giving it to us uh, and collecting it and our costs all go up, but the amount of money we get every month is the same. So it further deteriorated our fund balance, not just on all the processing costs and the fees we pay to get uh, disposal, but just mileage on route, uh, it wear and tear on the vehicles, uh, labor costs and, you know, Time on, on route and uh, just overall across the, across the system, significant increase from the pandemic. And it's continuing in 2021. We expect we'll see the same numbers because we're well into 2021 and no signs of uh, sort of complete return to normalcy just yet. Uh, this is population and account growth. Talks a little bit about some of the things that we are a growing city. Um, this was uh, covered in uh, a lot of detail in um, some of the workshops last year and uh, that we can only charge one rate across our, our customer base, but the new customers take a little while to get uh, into the system and there's, a, there's a, a, a high cost on the front end and we don't get impact fees from development. So um, that's one factor, not as much again as the other factors, but it's, um, it's worth noting. So again, uh, like uh, DOU and Bill was talking about efficiencies, we were asked in our most recent time in front of the council to try to get the increase we need to stabilize the fund for the long term to look at efficiencies. And 
So I've got a couple of slides here about some of the things we've done in the last two years. Uh, some recent accomplishments and efficiency. We've completed a citywide reroute and reorganization. We went from a four-day, 10-hour work week to a five-day, eight-hour work week in February 2021. That was all our drivers, and that was in the midst of the pandemic while they were providing that essential service while many people were working from home. So our drivers, uh, kudos to them, they've taken it in stride, and we have implemented that efficiency, the largest efficiency probably uh, in, in, the, in our division in the city in that time period, and it's pretty huge. Uh, we've completed those yard waste and organics agreements with three vendors and up to five years. That provides a stable, medium to long-term five to 10-year home for our green waste. And while the processing fees are much higher, as I noted in the previous slide, our vehicle miles traveled is less because we have three facilities instead of one. So we're coming off our centroids of our routes and getting to facilities that are actually close. So we're paying more on the processing fees, saving some uh, a lot of VMTs and some of our uh, time on route is improving in that regard. That's an efficiency. Uh, we will complete construction of a compressed natural gas station in December of 2021 this year. That's at our main corporation yard in Meadowview. It'll reduce the dependency on non-city stations. It eliminates fuel surcharges when we fuel up somewhere else, uh, reduces the wait times to fuel because it's at our facility and we're not competing with other users like RT or whoever else would be at a certain station. Uh, and it increases our productivity because it's at our yard and we're not, we don't have to go to a place where our trucks uh, start and end the day. So uh, the CNG facility is also being designed for the future to include infrastructure in place for future electric vehicle charging. Uh, we've also converted at this point approximately 85% of our fleet to CNG. And we've ordered an electric side loader for, for testing. Um, our new residential collection vehicles with recycling and particularly in organics and even in garbage, any new vehicle has um, is, is purchased with an onboard scale. So it reduces the overweight vehicles, further reduces our vehicle miles traveled because we can stay on the route right until that truck is very close to being full uh, at its legal limit, but not go over the legal limit. So it's a, it's a big efficiency gain as, as our fleet um, turns over. Uh, we've implemented uh, two types of updated GPS monitoring softwares to increase safety uh, and increase uh, efficiency and tracking of our vehicles. So that's GPS monitorings and trip starts and things that we're, our, our drivers are starting to use iPads and, and do their safety checks uh, remotely and, and, and with a, you know, without paper and just on, on, a, on an iPad or, or their mobile device. Uh, we've developed and added a commercial waste compliance office to replace the Sacramento Regional Solid Waste Authority. Uh, some of you might uh, know or heard about that, which is a regional authority that regulated all commercial waste in the region, disbanded. The county actually uh, wasn't the city's doing. The county actually uh, withdrew from the, the, the authority, which uh, forced our division to stand up a commercial compliance office. Uh, to replace the, the, the regional solid waste authority. Um, that is in place now, as of July 1, we are regulating in the city. It does give us a little more control and a little bit ability to look closer at the programs, but we're still you know, growing pains there, starting the program and getting up to speed on it. It does uh, allow us a nexus between the funding for that and tackling our illegal dumping in our community. So our code enforcement team on recycling solid waste is all part of that group and is, is very much involved with 
uh, some of the illegal dumping activities, and we've talked about that in the DOU. Um, all many city departments are involved with that right now. So, uh, so these are the proposed rate adjustments. Um, we have flattened the rate, be consistent across each of the fiscal years. We're showing a three dollar and eighty three cent increase. Um, you can see the rate effective dates on the left. So the first one would go into effect in April of this year in 2022, and the subsequent uh, rate increases are in January. So a little less than three years, but three increases of $3.83 each, uh, $11.49 over the three years. And it shows on the bottom, uh, the second chart is our proposed rate uh, now, which is $42.59, and the increase is to $46.42, and then $50.25. 5408. The bottom uh, table there is food waste only. Those are our green waste exempt customers. Um, uh, lots in the city that don't generate much green waste at all because they either don't have a lawn or they're in a new development and do not have a green waste or yard waste container. We're no longer able to exempt those customers. They will get a food waste only a small container, about 38 pounds in size, a little low to the ground, but our trucks can service it for food waste and incidental organics. And that's the rate that they will pay uh, down there at the bottom. They're not paying anything now because they're exempt. They go to $10 and 1173, $13.43. Next slide. Uh, this is the percentages of our rate adjustments. It shows the 8.9, 8.25 and 7.62 over the three increases by percentage and the percent increase from the previous year in the bottom table. And the highlighted yellow number there, which shows, again, our reserve uh, being back up above 90 days, That's our goal there. Um, so uh, next is, the again, the same, um, this is the sort of width rate adjustment, our five-year fund balance, and shows how we get above that 90-day reserve balance. And you see, as the, the blue uh, the table goes back up once we get the rate increase in 2022 and gradually get back up to re replenish our reserve. This is a, uh, a comparison of some of the jurisdictions that uh, around the region, you see the two gray ones in the middle are our rates from uh, the current fiscal year without street sweeping. That's just kind of an applied adjustment there to, uh, to make this sort of apples to apples with the other jurisdictions. As you can see, we're comparative. There are jurisdictions that are lower. That county is planning to go higher. They are lower than us right now, but they have uh, they asked for more uh, uh, and did not get everything they asked for. They're planning to go back. This is just basically 21, 22 uh, uh, fiscal year and some of those other jurisdictions that are FDC are higher are Davis and Santa Rosa, Napa, and then you, you see the, the Bay Area much higher. So some of the enhanced services, I wanted to have a slide in here that talked a little bit about um, some of the things that uh, residents get. So there is an increase, but there is also enhanced services. Food waste recycling. City residents will be able to recycle their food waste and food soil paper organics into their current green waste recycling container beginning in July 2022. At the new program, it should increase our recycling and processing rate slightly depending on participation and, uh, and, and how much we collect. Processing of organics, the green waste plus the food waste in compost is also significant progress towards the city's climate action goals. So we have a overall climate action plan and this fits well into that in fact, state mandates are significant progress towards it. So just complying with the mandate, 
we meet some of the goals in our uh, reduction goals in our climate action plan. Uh, tenant household junk pickup. This is a new, uh, what's well, recent change. Um, we've, we continue to offer our two household junk pickups per year, but we freed this up to allow tenants to make appointments, not just owners. It used to be owners and authorized tenants. So you had to go through a process, become authorized, and then if the tenant turned over again, you had to do it again. And it was just a barrier to our service. And we think with illegal dumping problems around the city, it was advisable to make that program accessible to renters, tenants, anyone in the city who is associated with the property can make those appointments. We made that change on the fly. This helps us maintain that service. It's a little more money, but we think it's important because of the nexus with illegal dumping. Maintenance of four-week street sweeping service implementation in 2022. You'll probably remember this from the previous. We did get a small adjustment uh, back in, um, uh, in 2019 to sort of a lifeline to not enough to balance our enterprise fund and get back to 90-day reserve. We did, as part of that, propose an enhanced service of four-week street sweeping. We did not get enough in that uh, very small increase. We only got 38% of what we asked for to maintain this. We're still rolling it out because we've heard our customers really want more street sweeping. So we're going to a four-week four service. This rate adjustment actually allows us to maintain that. Uh, it, it's more stable, we can keep doing that. Uh, diversification of our fleet to accommodate new developments is another issue. Just a healthy enterprise fund allows us to look at, uh, you know, so we're, we're approving developments with separated bikeways, for example, and need a more narrow street sweeper, for example, to, to service that. A healthy enterprise funds allows us to, you know, when we get that request, we can work it into our budget fairly easy as opposed to being stressed with the additional cost. Uh, balancing the solid waste fund relative to the increases from the pandemic, that's a benefit, uh, even though it's not something that people uh, would, would, would think about. That's, um, that's important. We were all home for a lot longer, um, even stay at home and distance learning and all that garbage that typically would end up either if you went out to dinner or if you're, you're, you're traveling to school or wherever, all ended up in the residential program. Uh, so a lot less commercial garbage and a lot more residential. A long-term replenishment of our reserve fund, the minimum 90-day safety net. Again, this is not unlike the pandemic, but it is different. There could be a flood. There could be, uh, as you've seen, uh, the changes in weather. We had a windstorm last year that really delayed our, our getting out of uh, uh, green waste and leaf collection. It was right at the end of January. It was massive. You probably remember. Uh, things like that and the changes in weather, fire, a flood, anything can happen. Having a 90-day safe net for garbage recycling and organics, uh, should there be additional circumstances, is an enhanced benefit for city residents, and we think very important. Uh, sort of expansion of the illegal dumping mitigation programs. I talked a little bit about standing up the commercial compliance office, um, and we're deploying a lot more resources, heavy equipment, additional code enforcement offers, spot cameras, and things like that, to um, more amnesty days, dedicating illegal dumping crews basically enhance services in that regard. If we're able to have a healthy enterprise fund, we can have a cleaner city. So here is our uh, rate proposal tentative schedule. This is rate workshop number one, September 7th. We also will be back on the 22nd with rate workshop number two. Uh, we mail our Prop 218 notices on the 23rd. And then in November, we have the public rate public hearing and vote. And then in January, February, we go to the council for review and uh, the ordinance and hopefully implementation of the first rate on the 
21st of 2022. And at that point, uh, I'm done. I can go back to any part of it or answer any questions you might have. We do have fiscal staff here, as well as myself, who answer questions about either the program or the, um, the proposal. Thank you, John. Um, really thorough and, and detailed presentation. I appreciate you. Uh, Madam Clerk, are there any questions from the public at this time? Thank you, Chair Thomas. I have no speakers with their hands raised to make public comment on this item. Okay. Any of my colleagues, commissioners, do you have any questions at this time? Commissioner Fidel. You're muted, Commissioner Fidel. There you go. There we go. Um, can we go back to slide three or four? It was a little bit back. And I'm just curious about it. It looks like it says that after January 1st, um, you can't dispose of, of food waste to the um, the dump, but our program isn't starting until July. So I'm just wondering if we're a little bit out of compliance for a few months. I don't know if is that slow, uh, that one, possibly the one before it, it was, yes, there we have, there we go. The second bullet point says that they can't dispose the, of it as garbage effective January 1, and we're going to start in July. John, you're muted. John, you're muted. John, you're muted. Sorry about that. Um, all the jurisdictions are targeting July 1 as an implementation date. Um, it's a big lift. Um, we have most of the commercial rolled out. Um, we are having, we, we will have all ordinances in place by January 1. The actual collection program we're targeting July 1, Sacramento County is the same. Actually, a lot of the smaller jurisdictions don't have, uh, haven't committed to that, but they're targeting it as well. So there's also makeup legislation that's being considered right now, which called Assembly Bill 619. Uh, there was a, a big movement to try to slow down the implementation relative to the pandemic. Uh, it didn't. Uh, we've proceeded with our, uh, we're actually in very good, um, generally in very good um, uh, regulatory uh, condition with power recycle by doing our organics processing alone. That's a big deal. Most jurisdictions don't have that in place. I'd say we're more than ahead of the curve. There are other jurisdictions that are already in place. YOLO, for example, has the benefit of having a facility that we are starting to go to. Um, with our green waste and so it's already implemented in West Sacramento, Woodland, uh, Davis and Yolo County. Um, we're going to that facility um, with about 20% of our tonnage but just with the green waste uh, from the residential routes and uh, eventually the food waste. There's a lot to develop. Uh, we're going to be putting out kitchen, top, uh, kitchen countertop containers. We're purchasing those for separate food waste and rolling that out in the spring, uh, giving them out free to residents and uh, then implementing the collection in our exempt program. So we are uh, 
in, in compliance with the law relative, they are, uh, I've already said, they're not penalizing anyone in 2022. There's not gonna be penalties. Uh, ideally, yeah, if we were on uh, rolling it out January 1, we would be, we would just like just get an A plus or something, but we're, we're, we're slightly behind, but we are ahead of most jurisdictions with our planning, with our processing agreements and with, uh, with starting the procurement for our containers and all that. I have another question, unless someone else wants to go. Go ahead, Commissioner Fidel. Um, so I see that we've entered into five-year contracts um, for five or more year contracts for any of this. Is there any talk of us developing our own facilities for handling this? So instead of buying this service at $104 per ton, we could be selling it? Uh, well, we would be paying the same in, in a longer term procurement as well. But we, so what we have is five year agreements with our three different vendors with one year options for renewal that bring us to 10. Uh, if we're unable to, in the five year term, develop a long term project. But the same request for proposals with Sac County, City of Sacramento, and Folsom is reconvening and going back out to the same eight proposers for a final and, uh, you know, best and final offer, if you will, or a revised submittal or possibly a larger implementation of a regional program similar to what you're talking about. If we could pull it off in five years, we wouldn't renew those agreements and we'd be looking at, at a larger agreement with a, a digester type facility or something that might be more multiple facilities. Again, like we have right now is a good uh, off route uh, program because we come from our, our routes to our facilities fairly nearby. So that's part of what we're, what, why the agreements are only five and not 10 guaranteed. It does take that long to develop a new facility. There is, um, uh, I mean, it's not just the construction and the agreement, it's getting, um, in this case, it'd be three legislative bodies all to approve something at the same time, Sac County, City Council, City of Folsom, to do a large joint regional project and uh, uh, you know, either a composting facility. We have some issues with siting composting facilities. We could talk offline separately. Happy to uh, talk to you about the local issues with air quality that preclude, that make composting facilities locally very difficult in terms of air quality. And it doesn't necessarily mean because you have to do this to uh, meet this requirement uh, you know, for diversion that the air quality you know, regs are necessarily going to, uh, you know, soften or, 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 or allow you easier compliance because you have, you know, because you have to make something on the other, you know, on, a, on a, meet another regulatory requirement from a different agency. Unfortunately, we don't much in that, um, you know, help with getting around the, 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 the non-attainment, some of the things uh, on the air quality side that preclude or make very difficult setting the compost. Thank you. Are there any other questions, members, commissioners? Seeing none, uh, Commissioner, this is also a no vote item. It's a receive and file item. Uh, so we will do that and we will now move on to our next item, uh, which is commissioner comments. Uh, this is an opportunity for any of my colleagues to have any comments that they would like to make. And I'd like to, excuse me, open up the floor in case any of my colleagues like to make any comments. I'll take the silence as there are no comments. 
Our next item is public comment. Uh, matters that are not, I wanna emphasize that are not on the agenda. Uh, Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on insofar as public comment is concerned? Matters not on the agenda. Thank you, Chair Thomas. I have no speakers with their hands raised to make public comment on this item. There are no comments. Um, colleagues, before we adjourn, I just want to once again, thank you for your time. Uh, we all volunteer for this. Uh, we've had some challenges during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Uh, I know that um, there's been some some adjustments in our schedules that we've had to make. And I just want you to know that um, your time here is certainly appreciated by this chair. And uh, I want to thank you as always for being here. Um, with that, uh, an adjournment is in fact um, in order. Uh, this does conclude the agenda for this evening, our, 20, our 7 September 2021 special meeting of the Sacramento Utilities and Rate and Advisory Commission, better known as URAC. And with that, with the power vested in me, I will now adjourn. <laughs> see you guys next. See you guys in a few in a few weeks. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, guys. <laughs>